Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Hope you're having a great day. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been listening to all couple hundred episodes that we've done here, we're closing in on 300 episodes that we'll hit uh, in a couple months. So if you've listened to uh, all of them up to this point, thanks. We really appreciate it. And if you've listened to just this one, Thanks. We also really, really do appreciate it. So wherever you're at in your speaking journey, we hope that the Speaker Lab, the podcast here can really be a resource and a guide and tool to help you in your speaking journey. Now, in addition to the podcast and other resources we have, if you haven't already, you definitely want to check out our book, brand new book out called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. So definitely want to check that out. It is out now in bookstores everywhere on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. We've been getting some really, really great feedback about it and uh, really excited about it, really proud of it. Uh, so again, if you're looking for a step-by-step -step handbook, playbook guide to finding and booking speaking gigs, whether you want to do one or a hundred, then The Successful Speaker is the book that you need. So make sure you go check it out. All right, so today we got a, a great conversation. This is one of my favorite conversations I've had uh, on the podcast with Kendra Hall. Now, Kendra is a, a very popular keynote speaker. Has just exploded in the speaking industry in the past few years and is just killing it. Also has a brand new book out called Stories That Stick. We didn't even get to the book. We got so in, into uh, just the conversation of how she has built her business. What I really enjoyed was how passionate ab about speaking that Kendra is uh, and was in the conversation and how she's started without any any special skills or talents or abilities other than being passionate about storytelling and being passionate about speaking. But there's nothing that on paper that qualifies her to be this amazing speaker. She doesn't have some crazy background story. She doesn't have anything that you think she needs. Like a, she hasn't won a gold medal as far as I know. She wasn't a, a war hero. She hasn't climbed Mount Everest. She's just a, a normal lady that is passionate about speaking, about passionate about helping businesses tell better stories. And she's built a very successful business around that in a very short period of time. So uh, she walks through in detail, in depth of exactly how she has done that. We talk about speaking bureaus. We talk about what it's like to be a female speaker and the pros and cons of that. So there's a lot that we get into. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. Again, one of my favorites that we've done on the show. So let's jump right into this conversation with Miss Kendra Hall. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, joined by Miss Kendra Hall, who is the author of the book Stories That Stick and uh, is, is uh, blazing a trail in the speaking world. So, uh, Kendra, thanks for hanging out with us. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Grant. I'm so excited about this. This is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> you seem like, okay, outside looking at it, it seems like you've just like blown up in the speaking space. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like that's accurate? Is that fair? I would say, I mean, I think... I'm the only one that gets to see the behind the scenes, yeah, yeah. right? So, so I know what it looks like behind the scenes, but from what I understand, probably in comparison, yeah, it's happened really quickly. So, yeah. 
So yeah. let's, let's backtrack a little bit. So how did you first get into speaking? Because for a lot of people who are listening, there are people who are like, I'm interested in speaking. I would love to do more speaking. No idea what to do. And I'm assuming that that's to some degree is your story. Like, I like speaking. Speaking, I've done it a time or two. I've got good reaction. I've got good feedback. I want to do more of it. No idea what to do next. How did, how did you first get started with speaking? Well, it started a really long time ago. I was on the speech team in high school. So okay. speaking has always been, where, and that was like competitive. My husband, who's an athlete, doesn't understand how intense speech meets are. They are very competitive. <laughs> I try not to bring those to like big conferences with that competitive nature. But, but so I always, like speaking has always been a part of my life. Now, that being said, and I was, in the, I was on the speech team in college, but then I worked in sales where I did a lot of presenting, but still, that's all very different. Like being on stage and being comfortable as a speaker, that's something that I have decades of experience doing. Yeah. Like the business of speaking and being a professional keynote speaker is an entirely different thing. Now, I was in sales. I attended a lot of conferences. I saw keynote speakers up on stage and thought, I know I can do that. Like I can, yeah. I can be on stage and talk. But then one day I was at, I was, I was actually at a spin class. It was early in the morning and it was because it was the early morning spin class. It was the class where all of the super achievers in business in my community were because they're, they would get up at 5am to go get their workout in because they had to get their day started. And one day I was sitting next to a friend of mine, super successful. And I said, I think I want to leave my job and become a keynote speaker. And he said, don't you have to be successful at something first? And it's like, ouch, that yeah, yeah. hurt. But it, but it made sense, right? Like, like I didn't have the thing. I didn't think I had the thing that I could talk about. So there was one comment that kind of, if anything, deterred me from the speaking path because then I went on this journey of trying to figure out what I would talk about on stage. Now, of course, the thing that I'd also been doing my entire life was storytelling. So I did research in storytelling. That's, I was a competitive storyteller like storytelling in the meantime was this skill was this passion was this talent was this calling that had also always been a part of my life so what ended up happening was i did leave my job and i decided i was going to create online programs right i was following the brendan burchard model yeah. like all of that so i started pursuing that and i put together i designed a whole storytelling program that had workbooks and DVDs. This is how long ago it was, probably like nice. 2014, 2015. And I finally put it up for sale. I was going to make millions of dollars <laughs> and I didn't sell any. And then I finally sold one. And I was like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> but in the process of honing that content, which I think is really important, you know, when you're thinking about speaking, it's really twofold. You have to be able to be on stage, but you also have to have a message that you can deliver and, right. and provide value for people. Otherwise, people aren't going to hire you. Right. So through the effort of putting this training together, without really knowing it, I had developed a method and a system. And suddenly I had the ability to, the opportunity really, to put it into a one-hour presentation. And so then that's what I did. By a fluke, I got a call from somebody who had seen an online article I had published. And they said, do you ever speak? And I said, Yes, I do. And they're like, what is your fee? <laughs> and I told them what it was. And they said, well, we actually only have this much. And I said, I will do it. And that was my first one. And, and then it really went from there. And I was trying to, I was opening up my calendar because I always forget when that was. So let me see. 
Yeah, I'm curious on timeline. So you mentioned like you were working a corporate job. You mentioned it to a colleague there. So I'm curious on a couple of things. One, what were you doing? What was the corporate job? Two, do you remember, you said roughly like 2013, 2014, give or take? Yeah, I'm looking right now. So it would have been 2014 was okay. when I did the first event for, you know, just a couple of people. Okay. Yeah, it was 2014. So what, like, what made you interested though in speaking? Because it sounds like your background, you ha- you've done a lot of speaking. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to be like, in college, I was on a you know speech and debate team or a storytelling champion of the world or whatever it may be to then go like, yeah, I want to do this one day. And to mention it yeah. to a colleague, not get the most favorable response to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. So obviously like you had been, like the wheels have been spinning a little bit to yeah. try to pursue this, this speaking gig. So when I left the job, I left it because I was going to somehow become a quote unquote professional storyteller. Now, I didn't really know what that meant. And at the time, I didn't think that it would necessarily be keynote speaking. I mentioned the digital programs. I was also doing some like consulting on the side. So I was helping other speakers, which I don't do anymore. I feel like I should say that right now. (laughs) But I was helping other speakers with their stories, some nonprofits. And it was one of those speakers actually who said, you know, if you can teach people to do what you do for me, you'd really have something there. And so that's when I really started thinking, hey, maybe people need to learn about storytelling. And then I went to that first event where they said, hey, do you speak? And I said, yes, I do. And there was another speaker there. Mm -hmm. And he had been doing it longer than I had because I'd only been doing it a day. And I bought him a coffee in exchange for hoping that he would tell me because I'd I'd spoken. It went really well. And he said, no, people get paid X, Y, Z. to do this. And honestly, I was like, what? (laughs) Like I could. And so, so there I was like, wait, this is a talent that I have. I have a message I can deliver and I can get paid for this. And so then it really, I left that event and I said, how do you find people to speak for? Like, okay, like all the pieces that kind of come together, but how do you find people to speak for? And when I asked him that question, he gave me a miserable answer, but it set me on the path for then finding audiences. So it really is, it's like stagecraft, message, audiences. And once right. you have those three, then it can go from there. So where Does did that you answer go from the there? question? Yeah, but where do you go from there? Cause I think again, that describes where a lot of people are at. I mean, yeah. it's same for, I remember myself when I got started, you know, 10, 12 years ago of going, like the line I've used a lot is, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I knew yeah. I was a decent speaker. I could get up in front of an audience. I was comfortable doing that. I felt like I could, I was funny and compelling and interesting. And I could, I could bring all that together, but it's going like, yeah, but how do you actually, right. what do you do now? So even like that first one is kind of like, kind of a random, not necessarily fluke, but someone sees it you, was, you yeah. it's just hard to reverse engineer from exactly. a business standpoint, you know, just waiting, like, I just need more people to read this one article and then randomly email me and ask me if I have a gig. So you do the one gig, you get a taste of it. You talk to the guy. It's like, okay, there is a thing here. Yep. Where, do you, where do you go from there? So here's, I can tell you exactly, I can tell you exactly what I did. So he said, why don't you reach out to different CVBs? like convention and visitor bureaus and tell them that you're a speaker. And if they have any events come through that, you know, you could speak for them. Now I now know, as you know, CVBs do not, they don't make that connection between their events and hiring speakers, but I didn't know that at the time. And it didn't really matter. What it did tell me was, Oh, so I need to reach out to people. So here's what I did. I created myself, my brother and my husband. I happen to have, 
one videotape of me, and it was a videotape of me speaking in that sales job so that people could see what I looked like on, on stage. So I had one clip of me yeah. speaking on a stage or one video of that. And then I had done, you know, as I was filming my digital programs or I was doing some V blogging or whatever it was, I had different video clips. And then we did a lot of sweeping what is that like font uh, words across the right, screen? Right. <laughs> Fresh topic, new voice. Like we did a lot of that national champion storyteller, which nobody even knows what that is. Right. Like just some things to add a little bit of credibility. And we put together the music was cheesy. The video was off. Like it was awful, but it was something. So it was just a very quick video. So people could kind of get a sense for what I looked like on stage. So I had that. Then I, created like a digital PDF, which was basically the same thing. It was pictures of me saying, this is what she talks about. You should hire her. But there wasn't a lot of reasons to hire me at that. Like I didn't have any, I didn't have a whole lot to go on except for my belief in myself. So I want to make that clear. It's not like I was like, oh, and here's 10 years of professional. It was very unprofessional. So I had a few materials, but then here's what I did because I wanted this. Like I was ready to live up to my potential and I was going to stop at nothing. Now, you have to remember at this point, I had left my job, so I didn't have an income. My husband was working full-time. And the day I told my boss that I was leaving, so we're backing up a few years, I found out a week later I was pregnant with our first child. So suddenly, instead of creating this new career, I had like four years of like being a stay-at-home mom, which, was, which is great for some people. That's yes. not what I wanted to do, right? So I was ready to have a business. (laughs) I was ready to live up to my potential. So I set a goal to reach out to a hundred events or people or organizations a week for six weeks. And I hired babysitters. I did it during naps. I went to the coffee shop early in the morning. And let me tell you, it is an awful experience Googling women's entrepreneur events or because I was thinking about who would want to hear my message, marketing events, like all the nonprofit events. But I, so I would sit there and usually what would happen then is I would spend, you know, like the first couple days of the week getting the hundred names or events or, and trying to find their email address. And I mean, it was awful. And then I would spend, you know, once I would get that list, I would spend Wednesday and Thursday just sending out. And I had like a canned email that said, my name is Kendra Hall. Here's a link to my video. This is what I'll do for your organization. This is why I think. And then I would, I would spend Wednesday, Thursday sending the emails out. And then where I really found it got easier was like, I found the American Marketing Association, Minnesota chapter. Oh, I was looking for places where I like wanted to go. Like I grew up in Minnesota. So I was like, I could go back and visit friends in Minnesota. I'll look up events in Minnesota or I live in Phoenix. At that time I lived in Phoenix or I really want to go to New York city. So I, but anything to get that 100 in. And then I found the American Marketing Association in Minnesota and I was like, wait, if there's one in Minnesota, I bet there's one everywhere else. Right, and so right. then there's 49 so then, others. Exactly. So then suddenly I had 49, which was awesome because it said, and then I started realizing, wait, if there's a marketing association, maybe there's a women's business association. And maybe right. there's so then I started getting some traction. Meanwhile, I'm sending out these emails and and I'm getting some response, but not a ton. Yep. But really what ended up happening is I think from that maybe 
from that 600. And it was, I sent out 600 emails in six weeks and they were just emails. So it wasn't cold calling. It was emails. I think I had maybe, I don't know, like five to 10 come together and keep in mind, these are like, Oh, we will cover your travel or, Oh, (laughs) We we'll will. give you a pat on the back and a subway exactly. sandwich. Exactly. Like I said, yep. like the, I, one time it was like, oh, and there's some leftover chicken tacos from the buffet in the right. back, right? Like that was, but some really cool things happened there. A, I was honing my message. The yep. first one of those I did, I didn't have a PowerPoint because I didn't want to use PowerPoints and PowerPoint scared me and it went so bad. And then there was like a Q&A and they were asking me questions that I just wasn't prepared to answer. And I walked out of that event. It was the first one from that. And I was like, oh man, I failed. Like that was like, I could get by on raw talent. Yeah. And so then I kind of, then I created a PowerPoint and then I tested that. And then I, and so, so doing it for free or for very low pay was really important to getting it right. Right. I'm sorry. I'm just told you I love. I, I never I get know. to talk about this speaking. Right, I, got a, I got a bunch of questions here. I got a bunch okay. of questions. Do you want to me to stop? Here. Do you want me no, to stop? No, I want you to keep going. But let's let's unpack for a second. Let's, so let's go back for a second. So one of the things I want to, I want to touch on was your initial quote unquote demo video, right? Yeah. And a lot of speakers we work with find themselves in that situation of like the chicken egg type of scenario of I need gigs in order to get footage. I need footage in order to get gigs. You said like, I've got this one thing that is not amazing. It's not what I have today, but it works. It's good enough. So we say all the time to work with what you've got and improve as you go. Version 1.0 is not the forever version. Like you're like, this is what I've got at the moment. I can do this for six months. And then six months later, I'm going to get some better footage and then I'm going to improve. And today, like I assume at this point, you've gone through three, four, five iterations of demo videos. You know what? I'm only on, I think I'm either on my third, which we just released, or maybe it's my fourth. So it hasn't even been, like I did that first one and then yeah, I got some great footage and put together another one that really carried me through until like multiple fee raises, like multiple, like this day, until just recently, we just released the new one a couple weeks ago. So, But if, if Kendra Hall from five, six years ago was looking at the video that Kendra Hall has today, you'd be like, oh, I'll never have that video or I can't compete with that girl who has that amazing video. It's like, yeah, yeah but like the Kendra Hall today didn't have that footage right. and didn't have that stage credibility and didn't have the, the street cred that you do today. So like, again, just you work with what you've got and exactly. you improve as you go. Uh, well, and I think what you've got is good enough. That's the other thing to yeah, yeah. trust is it is good enough. So just put it out there. Like right. the thing that's going to keep you from doing this is not putting anything out there. Like, right. yeah. So, all right. So then you decide, okay, I'm going to send 600 emails, which can be effective, but it can also be extremely monotonous, tedious, boring, repetitive. And you're, like you said, you get a very low response rate. You're just, half the time you're wondering like, why the heck am I doing this? Like there's got, there's got to be a better way. So as you're going through that, are there times where you're thinking, what's the point of this? I should quit. This isn't working. I'm never going to make it. Are Are you having those doubts and insecurities? Yeah, it was awful. I mean, I am not, I was having to literally input things into spreadsheets. I do not do spreadsheets. Well, I mean, I actually- You have such a, like, a disgust enjoy. in your voice. I know, I know. There's a time and a place for a spreadsheet, but it was, I cannot stress this enough, it was soul crushing. But even hours of data input and sending it out, one possible, yes, and this is how you know 
that you're really meant for this because I want to be honest, speaking is not as glamorous as it looks from the Facebook, Instagram images. I mean, if you think that the tedium of speaking stops after you send 600 emails, you've got another (laughs) thing coming. Like it is, but that's the thing is, is it worth it? And so for me, that one email back about someone who could potentially be interested was worth the 300 non-responses or silly responses or delivery failure, that email isn't actually a real email. And that's how you know, because you have to, I think with anything, you have to be willing to go through the awfulness of it because the reward on the other side is worth it to you. Yeah. I had a a buddy tell me early on in my career, he said, you, you have to fall in love with the process. Like Mm -hmm. everyone loves the, like you said, getting up on stage and standing ovations or taking pictures or signing autographs and all those things are well and good. But like you said, that's a very, very, very small percentage of what actually happens. Like it seems like a lot of what we do is waiting. You're waiting backstage. You're waiting on an, at an airport. You're waiting on a plane. You're waiting in a hotel. You're waiting at home. You're just, you're waiting. You're waiting in line to check in at the hotel. Like like, you go to Vegas, there's an extra 40 minutes before you even, yeah. It's very boring. It's very non-glamorous. It's very non-sexy. And so you have to fall in love with the process of like, this is what I'm signing up for. The part that nobody sees, the part that nobody wants to do, the part that makes a difference, but it's just like, it's work. It's really, really difficult. And a lot of people just aren't willing to do that. So yeah, the 600 emails was miserable. And even when I say like, maybe I got five to 10, I don't even think I got 10 from those actual emails. But what I did get, I don't know where else this is as applicable, but there's that snowball effect with speaking. And the thing that I kept saying in those early days was the more I speak, the more I speak. Yep. So the only way to, I mean, to get started, yes, that first time I had to send those emails, but then after that, it was saying yes, it was speaking more because I was getting better at speaking. I had more people in my audience and more people in my audience meant more opportunities to maybe speak again. And so that was, yeah, maybe it was only five responses, but I'll tell you, one of them was for this women's group. So I sent an email, it was for a women's group in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Now keep in mind, I lived in Phoenix. So the plane ticket round trip alone, I think was like $700 and they had $500. So I went, I lost money on the deal and there were 10 women (laughs) in that audience, 10. So I flew across the country, lost money and spoke for 10 people. Now keep in mind, one of them worked for actually the Convention and Visitors Bureau of Scranton. And she was in charge of the annual women's event that they have each year. And so she hired me to come back to Scranton to speak for an audience of 350 a couple months later. And then someone in that audience saw me and wanted me to come back and speak for their company event where they had the budget. And at that point, you know, my fee was at a, that was the first one where I was like, this is the big fee. Like this is the fee that the guy said, big fee, everything's relative. (laughs) People speak for this much. And that was the first one that that's what I got paid. So yes, I went back and forth from Scranton a lot, (laughs) but look at how that happens, right? Like you just, you just never know. So every possible one, yes, could be many, many yeses. 
Yeah, speaking is very much a momentum business that like early on, you're trying to push a boulder uphill and you have to do something to get it in motion. But once you get it in motion, it's a little bit, it's, it's much easier for you today to get gigs than it was several years ago. Now, it still requires work and effort. And, but like you said, there's a lot of those type of, of random situations, quote unquote, that happen that like you have no clue who's in the audience. You have no clue who, who saw you years ago that is like, I was just in the audience, but now I'm in a position to, I'm looking for a speaker and I remembered you or I'm connecting with other speakers or other event planners and I'm being referred more and more. And there's just a lot of that happens over time that again, it's really hard to plan on and it's really hard to reverse engineer, but it happens because you're speaking and because you have some of that momentum going. And also, I think it's important to know, I'd be curious, like, all right, you speak at that, that Scranton deal for 10 people and part of the time you're going like, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? And part of the yeah. time I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking like, this is amazing. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. they, they are bringing me in. Yeah. Granted, like I'm going to lose money on this, but like, here's an audience of 10 people that I get to speak to. How cool is this? Like you love those type of moments. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, like it, it's, it's interesting, the dichotomy where at one point you could be like, oh gosh, it's just 10 people and I lost money, but at the exact same time. And, and I think it's whichever, whichever voice is louder in your mind. But I remember the room. I remember the snacks. They, were, they had great snacks. So I think that was part of it. I remember the <laughs> snacks they were serving. Yeah. And I will never forget how thrilling it was to, for me to be standing there. And I can't believe 10 people took time out of their night to come be here with me today. Yeah. And, and as long as that thrill outweighs all the rest of it, you're, you're on the right track. But yeah, every time, every time it's like, oh gosh, I can't believe. Now some, some events are, not all events are created equal, right? So there's that too, but yeah. yeah. So you start, you, you start doing some events, you're starting to get some momentum. Fast forward to now, what have you done over the past few years that has helped you to maintain and even increase that momentum? So what you did early on to get gigs was I'm, I'm going to, to send a whole bunch of emails and cross my fingers and hope some of it works out. What works for you today to book gigs? What works for you today to continue the momentum that you've built? You know, that's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a tricky question because I feel like what has happened is the momentum is still pushing me forward. Like in terms of brute effort, we are fortunate enough to have enough coming in, I guess. I, so that doesn't, that doesn't help. I will say a few things, a few things that we have done is, and we mentioned this earlier is consistently, not consistently, but strategically upgraded the demo video. Yeah. I really think that that, so, so I saw a significant jump in business, which, and that's where I say, like, I think the momentum from the video that we created and then the outreach that we did related to that video, which was like demo video 2.0 has then continued to carry us until where we are now and did a new right. one. But there really was, I was very strategic and I still am about getting great video footage so that you can constantly be upgrading that. And I think what happens is as you go up in, as you choose to go up in fee, you have your demo video and it covers this like span. So there's, 
there's a part where maybe the footage they caught you on some really good days and so it's like your most amazing footage and so you're still kind of growing into consistently being that person and then you get into the part where that is like exactly your, like your feet your talent your everything is right on represented in that video and then what happens is you get better your audiences get bigger but your demo video stays the same and, and you, you can't right. So that video no longer supports like the fee that you're commanding. So being sensitive to that. I think the other thing that has worked really well for us is our bureau relationships. We have some incredible bureaus and agents and, you know, additional forces. So it isn't just us anymore. And I will say, so can I talk a little bit about bureaus? Yeah, please. I'd be also curious because a lot of people look at bureaus as like the end all be all. If I can just get in with a bureau, then I'm set. Yeah. And like, as we know, like it doesn't work like that. So I'd be yeah. curious if you approach a bureau too early or before, until when you're not ready, then oftentimes that can backfire. So uh, bureaus can be great, great partners in the business, but it's also, I don't know, it can be a little bit tricky to knowing when you need them. And then also knowing whether or not, because there's also like speakers who don't use bureaus at all and are extremely successful. So how did you decide to work with bureaus and how did you, who approached who, how did that kind of come to be? Yeah. So I would say right now our bureau business, bureau to direct booking is about 50, 50. We're split pretty evenly. So about half of my business is direct. They come straight to me. They, and so half is direct and half is bureau business, which I like that spread. I think that's, I think it's healthy. I think it's good. So maybe some months it skews more bureau, especially now I've noticed that they, as my businesses, they'll book things earlier. So they get the dates first, right? Uh, Like they're, they're ahead of the, they're ahead of the game. So we're seeing a little bit of a skew, but all of that I'm happy with. And I do, I hear that people are like, I get emails all the time. Hey, can you put me in touch with your agent? So here's how it happened. Here's how I got in with the bureau. One of the emails that I sent in that 600 email list was to a women's conference and they liked what they saw and they worked with a bureau. So the women's conference contacted their agent at the bureau and said, check her out. We want to book her. So then I got a call from the agent that said, this conference is interested in you. And you have to understand an agent, anytime they recommend a speaker, like their job is on the line, their reputation, like it is no like that responsibility, like sometimes I like direct because it's only on me then like you've got the, you know, like you're not just here when you're working through an agency or through a bureau or through an agent, you're not just representing you, you're representing that agent, you're representing that bureau, like the stakes are really high. And so when people are like, oh, I just need, I just need to get an agent until you have a proven track record and they feel comfortable putting you on stage in this very high stakes situation, it's not the right fit, right? So, So what happened for me, and it was so, so this is why I encourage if you're at the beginning, Go out and find these conferences because you never know if it loops back. If you find a conference that you reach out to, they're interested in you and they loop it back through a bureau. This agent was able to say, hey, they want you. I don't know you, but they want you. So now it's on them, right? So, so yeah. there was a, the pressure was a little bit off for that agent. I understand that now. So then, of course, I spoke for that event. It went super well. It just, it just went. It was one of those that you're like, if you're if you're going to yep. nail it one day, nail <laughs> it that day. <laughs> exactly. And she was in the audience. And so now she was like, oh, I have this 
other events that might be interested in you. And then there were people in that audience that wanted to book me and then the agent gets all of those clients. So then I'm like, oh, sweet. Yes, spin. And so now this agent is seeing that, oh, when Kendra speaks, we get more business. So then they want to put, and then, and then what I did do, which I think was a mistake was I was like, oh, okay. Now I'm with a bureau and it was a big name bureau. Like it was a great reputable, it was great bureau. So then I started reaching out to all the other bureaus and being like, Hey, my name is Kendra Hall. This is what I do. This is my fee. I work with this bureau. I'd love to work with your bureau. And we didn't hear anything because that nobody had heard of me. Nobody knew me, nobody. And so it was a slower, it was a slower process and you do, it's, it's kind of a matter of proving yourself and I'm okay with proving myself and you should be too, right? Like if you're good, you're good. Yeah, there is definitely like this dichotomy with with bureaus that you don't like a bureau is not interested in you until you're actually booking some gigs and to the yeah. where you can get to a point where you're booking enough gigs where you don't necessarily need a bureau. And so it's kind of like finding the right timing there. And and our mutual friend Sean Hanks, I know he always says that Sean's a, a, the president of a of a bureau and he says that bureaus don't create demand, they manage demand. Mm-hmm. Meaning again, if yeah. you're not already booking gigs, like it's not like they, they're like, we have so many gigs and we just, we just need speakers to fill it. Like it just <laughs> does not work yeah, like that. No. So, but if you're creating some demand already, they can help manage that and build that for you versus like, I'm starting from scratch. A bureau is not going to be interested in you. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that also, you know, like bureaus have relationships because they've been doing it longer than I have that, that I don't right. have. Right. So yeah, it's a great, but it isn't like, that's where people are like, Hey, I just need a bureau. And I'm like, well, but what have you done for that? <laughs> Doesn't work like that. Like, that's, yep. Yeah. That's, a, I will say one of the other interesting things that happened is because then after my new demo came out, this is the second demo. I did another round of massive outreach to people and one org and, and I had a lot more response that time. One organization hired me. Well, they typically went through bureaus, but I happened to accidentally circumvent the bureau and I got the gig direct. Their typical agent had called that company and said, Hey, it's about time for you to book your speakers. And they're like, Oh, we already did it. We booked this woman. She's like, I haven't heard of her. Good luck, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever. And so then the agent being diligent and excellent followed up with that client and said, Hey, how did it go? Expecting to hear like, we will never do that again. We should never hire speakers outside of your expertise. When in fact they said, Oh my gosh, it was excellent. One of our favorite speakers. So then the agent called me and said, Hey, you scooped me on a client. Uh, We should probably work (laughs) together. And he booked me. We've done business together for a long time. Very cool. Uh, I'm curious with this. Do you find it to be an advantage or a disadvantage being a female in the speaking industry? Ooh, it's so interesting. I think it cuts both ways. You know, people, I know that I lose gigs because I'm a woman. I know that I get gigs because I'm a woman. I think that, you know, I just don't. Okay. So I know I lose gigs. I know I get gigs. I figure it's like the price of gas. Like I can't control the price of gas. Yeah. So what? Like I just don't worry about it. It is I, what it is. Yeah. I do not. I don't get wrapped up in that. That means that is null and void and doesn't matter at all to me. I do think that women, there's a lot less margin for error for women on stage. You have to be absolutely excellent. I feel like men and forgive me for saying this, but this is just my honest opinion, but I feel like there's, there's more wiggle room for a guy to be, you know, like yeah. 
whatever to have is good to have is bad but you know yeah. whatever it was and i think for and i say this because i w- was working with a series of events and the event planner said you know the organization was concerned that they were putting another woman up on stage this year because last year the woman they put on stage was so bad or whatever and she said she wasn't any worse than any, like she wasn't our best speaker, but there were men that were far worse than than she was. And she just got, and so to the point then where they were all nervous about me. And then of course, so here's the thing, man, woman, you've just got to be excellent. And you've got to keep working on your craft and paying it, knowing who the audience is and love being very present in that moment and doing it for them, like what they could, the possibility of what they could learn from your, so it, it, I don't really think it has anything to do with man or woman. I think it's just, you just got to be great. Now I will say that the equipment and everything is definitely built for men, right? So I always wear dresses when I speak. That's what I feel most comfortable in. And they, I walk up to the AV table and they always look at me like, Oh, what do we do? <laughs> How do I work now, with this? Now, now I have noticed, like as the as the audiences have gotten bigger and the the crews are more experienced, they yeah. know exactly what to do. It's like unzip the dress, hook it on the bra, weave it under the armpit, clip it here in the front, and it's no big deal. But the smaller ones are like, I don't know what to do with it, girl. <laughs> so, but yeah, that would be my impression. So, if you are a woman and you're thinking that you're missing jobs because you're a woman know that in many cases you're getting jobs because you're a woman just go be great that's that's the key to anyone very well said okay you'll have to forgive me we haven't even got to the book stories that oh gosh are you kidding i i love this this is so fun stories for speakers are one of the most powerful one of the most effective tools and so i feel like we need to have you back can we have you back for a part two at some point i would love that yeah okay all right we'll make that happen we'll put a bow on this for today this has been super helpful super fascinating kendra if people want to find out more about you where can we go well, I'm at KendraHall.com online and Instagram is at Kendra Hall. And then Facebook is, what is it? Slash Kendra Hall fan. That shows how old my Facebook page is. It's back when people were fans of me. <laughs> I remember that. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Kendra, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Oh, it was awesome. Thank you. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Kendra. Again, I'd encourage you to check out her website, KendraHall.com. Also check out her new book, Stories That Stick. And like we talked about, we're going to have her back for another episode at some point in the near future to talk about stories and storytelling and how speakers can uh, use that more effectively in their messages. Hey, also, like I mentioned to you before, don't forget to check out The Successful Speaker. Again, five steps for booking gigs, getting paid, and building your platform out in bookstores now. Go pick it up on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. We'd love to uh, I'd love for you to check that book out. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks for hanging out with us. We will catch you next time. You're awesome.